Yeah, so uh, we, we were just talking about like theme parks and like you were saying you didn't really care for Disney and I kind of agree. Um, but like, like we were both saying that like Islands of Adventure, at least when it came out, we were both nine years old, which was like the perfect fucking age for that theme park to come out is still like maybe the best theme park I've ever been to. It's up there. It's aging kind of poorly, but it's kind of great still. For people who don't know. Yeah. So in Florida, Universal had a, a, a I mean, it was a totally separate park. You had to buy a separate mm-hmm. admission to it. Yeah, it was called Islands of Adventure. And the big draw for a while, it had like Dr. Seuss Land, and that was kind of cool. And it had like yeah. a, a couple original roller coasters that were pretty cool. They've since been retrofitted into the Harry Potter world. But before there was any kind of licensing stuff, Marvel, believe it or not, this was way before uh, Disney yeah. obviously bought the brand. And I think the only Marvel film that was ever released by Universal was The Hulk. So it's interesting that they got all of those they got the x-men they got spider-man they got fucking fantastic four uh but that really was i think like the best theme park in florida to this day i want to say maybe it hasn't aged well and we were talking about this i haven't been to a theme park in 10 years but i remember at the time there were these cutting edge graphics the spider-man ride in particular was like this holy shit moment for rides i'm sure that has not aged well though unless they've uh, maintained it the whole time apparently they have so like this is like a guilty pleasure of mine that i've never admitted to but i watch a lot of like theme park review channels and like theme park history channels Uh like history of the ride how it was built what it is like today and everything and for some reason, I can't get enough of that shit. Um, and apparently they have like revamped the Spider-Man ride. Uh, one that like kind of breaks my heart a little bit. And, you know, it sounds like a baby ride, but it used to be not so much was the Cat in the Hat ride, um, which I don't know if you remember that ride, but like that shit would spin like super fast, like getting some real good G's on that ride. It was like really trippy and fun and fast. And they had to slow the spins down, man. There's no more spins on that ride. Too many RPMs. Yeah. Well, some three-year-old apparently like slipped under the bar while his parents weren't paying attention and got like spun out of the car and they didn't catch it on camera. So the kid was just like, you know, being a three-year-old laying on the ground or something and they had to take them spins out. Is the kid okay? There's so much information you left out there. I don't know. <laughs> I, remember I don't care. I just ride. The, the ride is not okay is all I care about. My memory of the cat in the hat ride uh, was I think... I was there with Layla or something and uh, which is next girlfriend. Sorry, pod listeners. Um, and all I kept thinking about was because they had so much of the cat, in the hat book written on the mm-hmm. walls of the waiting room. And I was listening right. to a lot of Zappa at the time. And I was just like, you know, Zappa, this is like a Zappa lyric. Like you can watch like Zappa do a theatrical thing on stage where he's just like, I do not like that's at the cat in the hut, you know, doing that fucking Zappa thing that he does. And so forever in my mind, anytime I read any Dr. Seuss book, I have to imagine Frank Zappa doing it. Yeah. You think Zappa was like really influenced by Seuss, like for real, like that was his shit, like growing up. I mean, well, think about it, right? Like, like Zappa was all about like sticking it to the man, the institutions, these like fetishizing of the of the whatever, you know. And uh, Zeus gets a start coming after the Fuhrer, you know what I'm saying? Taking the piss out of nationalism, which I think is sort of the same thing that Zappa wanted to do. He, but that dude yeah. was a contrarian. I just want to point out. So they just there was an album that just got released. It's like Zappa, the last American show, and it's 1988, and there's a whole Beatles medley on it. And I was like, oh, that's weird because. Mm. The memory serves that, but didn't like him, the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> so I put it on, and it's like the notes are all the same, but he, they, he just changed all the lyrics to be really juvenile, infant, infant. That's the weird thing about him is his lyrics are very rarely deep. 
as fuck. They're very like juvenile, but right. he does it in a way where you're like, ah, oh, Zappa's a genius. You know what I'm saying? But if anyone <laughs> else did it, you'd be like, this guy's a fucking chode. So yeah. anyway, yeah, Cat in the Hat. I think he was a big fan. <laughs> Cat in the Hat, hugest influence on Zappa. You heard it here first and last, probably. I don't think anyone else is going to say that, but I love it. I Do you not kinda... think that Seuss, like, if he could have, like, the first draft of that probably had way more risque lyrics and, like, mm-hmm. a, a darker plot points and shit like that? <laughs> like, like, the cat and hat was going to ultimately kill one of those kids, probably, and then chase the other one to try to keep them secret. Uh, yeah. But... Well, I mean, it's a dark premise if memory serves, right? Like, the cat just shows up to these the, this kid, these kids' house to, like, yeah. entertain them because they're bored on a rainy day, right? And he's like, I'm a talking cat. Let's uh, mess up your parents' house and unleash little uh, little people to fuck it up even more. You but, know? Well, the weird thing about this is like so many times, Max, when we watch yeah. certain pieces of like art, I, I like to pull the thread of like, but wait, how did, what's that backstory? And a lot of times right. we find that the answer is like, Christian, you don't want to pull that thread. Because yeah. it's going to start. Pro- the problem is it's the exact opposite with Cat in the Hat. I have so yeah. many questions about the Cat in the Hat. Like, is the Cat in the Hat one of its kind? Is the Cat in the Hat born right. from an egg? Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, was it was it, was it born from a mother? Do you think it's like a King Kong situation where, like, like you said, he is the last of his kind and he's just doomed to walk the earth finding children in need on rainy days to fuck up their houses? Uh, I mean, that's a profoundly sad existence, and it's possible. I guess what I'm just saying is like, or is he like this this abortion of science? You know what right. I mean? Is he is he about our own fucking uh, uh, hubris to to play God in the fucking laboratory? And the cat in the hat's the result. And because that because it's, yeah. like, it's like in a weird way, he's Freddy Krueger. If you think about it, you know what I mean? Like he's got this relationship with the kids, and like they, it's he afterwards he just continues to haunt. It's something you yeah. can't get away from. He's almost like a benign poltergeist or a trickster god or something, you know? It's like, he, he like, he, like, how does he have access to these tiny little things? How does this bag hold so much? How does he, like, fit, a, like, an industrial-sized vacuum cleaner? That Like, apparently he's <laughs> hiding that, you know, technology from the rest of humanity, but it can suck up literally just messes and not the rest of the furniture. That's amazing. It sounds to me like these kids got a hold of their dad's fucking downers or uppers or something. I don't know, right? Like some quaaludes, some but like they imagined all of this. <laughs> like, Took a I mean, swig of whiskey. Yeah, that, that's that's my that's my supposition. I have no clue, but I do know that like as a piece of fiction, that one really freaks me out. But all of them sort of are. I mean, have you gone back and really interrogated the the Seussiverse? Nailed it. No, I mean, honestly, this is the first time that I've really like dug into <laughs> it, you know. Uh, well, because like you know, there's some cute ones, and then you know, there's the green eggs and ham, which is a weird story. I mean, beyond the fact that Ted Cruz was reading it and shit like that, it's just a weird story about some guy because I find myself all the time like, I, I, that book means something to me, Max, because I go mm. to restaurants and I order the same thing, I go to the same five restaurants that I like. Uh, yeah, that's my deal. And I think that's a story about people who are very set in their ways and don't want to try new things because like they don't want to be disappointed. I, yeah, I just want to go on record. I'm the same way. And it's because I know what I like and why take a chance on something else. But it's like, but that's the the fruit of life, as they say, you know, that that's like how you find new things. So maybe I shouldn't just get the Cajun chicken pasta at Chili's. Maybe I should try something else on the menu. 
And here's my thing. What I want from that book is for for uh, him to try the fucking eggs and then food poisoning. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. like it fucking gets more resolute. It becomes this harrowing yeah. drama about how much she like now personally holds Sam fucking accountable. <laughs> He's like, I told you I didn't want to try anything. That would be that would be amazing if that was like the intended message on Seuss's part. He's like, don't don't try new things. Keep <laughs> on trucking. Don't listen to new ideas, kids. Uh, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I think you could so easily, and and I want, you know how like you told me Lucas's wife saved the first Star Wars film in the editing room. Mm-hmm. You know, like we don't give her enough credit. I just wonder who was editing these Seuss books because in my mind, like our cat in the hat and our green eggs and ham totally happened. And there was just yeah. one person in the room like, listen, Herman, that was his real name, by the way. Hey, Herman. I don't think that's true. It might be like Don or some shit. I don't know where I got Herman from, but uh, Geisel, I think is his name, or Geis or something. Yeah, Theodore Geisel. So you know his name. What the fuck? So I said Herman, and you're like, sure, that sounds right. Uh, I think he was. I think he was a fucking downer. I think he was a misanthrope who didn't like mm. to inspire people. And there was one person in the room who said, "Hey, let's brighten this up." So you think he was like a real rolled doll type, where he was like packaging things for children <laughs> that were definitely not for children. Yeah, but he was British, so he like kind of got away with it, you know. Right. Like, there, that that's a, part the, of the personality. Calm and carry on generation. Right. Like, oh, there's a giant peach. Like, fuck. Who cares? You know, you keep yeah. going. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I love it. I mean, you know that that is the British way. Theodore Geisel was not British. He was American. He was an American man. So just bringing some of that British energy over, I guess, with his. You know, his stories of green eggs and ham and fucking cats and hats and Horton hearing who's. Right, right. Well, I was trying to think, what other ones do I even know? The one, so my ex-girlfriend bought me on my graduation day, she bought me, uh, oh, the places you'll go, which is kind of sweet. Uh, Well, the thing is, I haven't really read it. I know when I got it, I felt like a fraud. So I was like, (laughs) not about it. It was really sweet. I haven't read it. The thought was sweet, because from what sure. I understand, the book is about like, oh, you're going to go places, kid. But again, probably in the original version of that, it's like you're going to go to you're going to go to school and get crippling debt. You're going to go to fucking fight <laughs> wars overseas. Like, and I just want that version. I want that really fucking manically depressed Dr. Seuss. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, maybe if we ever invent time travel, we can we can find out. We can ask him. Maybe there was like an editor out there who was just like holding him back from like destroying child's minds and planting yeah. fucking like misanthropic propaganda in there. Maybe well, seriously, was- like, think about how influential those books are. They've sold hundreds and hundreds, I mean, maybe billions of copies all together translating to multiple languages. And it's just yeah. like, yeah, what if it was like Halloween fucking season of the witch? Where like they're putting all these things in kids' mind and they're going to activate them one day. Well, I mean, let's circle back to Cat in the Hat here. Like, what if we're really interrogating it? What is the moral lesson of Cat in the Hat? Like, let a stranger into your home because, like, if they make a mess, they'll clean it up with a magic. That's probably, you know, stranger danger. (laughs) I mean, what was that written? I was going to say, like, is this a response to the Ronald Reagan? Because that's when stranger danger really came to prominence, is like the Reagan administration. So I was trying to wonder when that was actually written, but those books feel timeless. Like if you told me that was written in 1950, I'd be like, yeah, totally. That scans. Or if you say it was written in 1980, I'd be like, sure. Because I don't know when those things were published. But what I know is fussy fish and everything. Well, see, that's the one I was going to ask about. All right. So there's red fish, blue, one, one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish, which I do not remember what the point of that book was. 
Was that one of the books that was deemed racist recently? No, that was like a that was an Irish guy's name with a and there was an Asian dude on the cover or something like that. I forget. Wait, what there was, was called. some Irish racism. No, 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 no. I think the character's name was like uh, Irish she, you know, or like Scottish she. I, I Donald O'Donnell. Well, no, it's like Mick, Mick, Mick something. You know what I mean? And I don't mm. want to paint with too broad a stroke, but I feel like you're you're Irish or Scottish or Welsh or something with that last yeah. name. One of those, one of those very pale kilt-wearing countries. But the yeah. there was a fish in that, in your defense. Like uh, there was, oh. that was a subplot. Maybe it was a like Chinese fish or something. I don't know. I wasn't there. I didn't ask for it to be taken off the shelves. I've never even heard of it until it was taken off a shelf. So in a weird way, I think liberal media knocked that one out of the park, you know? Speaking of Chinese fish, I think it was you that sent me a picture of like an animated movie you were watching recently or something. Is Was this not you? Um, uh, where I mean, like, I might have. What happened? It was like a, a song about cats that was racist or something. Oh, God, that was me. I put on Oliver and Company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I was watching Everybody Wants to Be a Cat, which I had heard earlier in the day and was like, yo, mm-hmm. that's a fu- that, that fucking slaps. That like is a good, good song. Uh, but I guess in the version I heard, they very rightfully cut out the incredibly racist uh, like Asian cat thing. Uh, and then when I put it on for you, I'm sharing my screen. And when that dude comes on, I'm like, whoa! I like pause it immediately and I'm like, why didn't you tell me this was going to happen, Max? I think I blamed you for it. Yeah, I don't know why. I didn't even know what movie it was from. I thought it was from uh, the Aristocats because mm. in that movie, they do have the We Are Siamese, if you please. Which no, is that's, also that's Lady and the cats. Tramp. Oh, Lady and the Tramp. Jesus, yeah. yeah. See, there you go. But there probably is one of the Aristocats, too, if we're being honest. Like... Right. There's at least more than one racist cat song in old movies, you know, looking yeah. back. That's the, why do you think the cats are the easiest animals to to do that with? I mean, look, that's not a coincidence, man. <laughs> to couch our, our inherent racism in? I don't know. I guess they're a good scapegoat, even though they're a cat. A good scape cat? Right. You know, because they're shitty animals and they yeah. shit in a bucket and they walk around on your furniture after. I would watch like a like a like a six episode Netflix series called Scape Cat, by the way. I don't know why. <laughs> like he just gets blamed just a, for shit. And he's a perfectly respectable cat, but like over time, like he just becomes the thing that everybody <laughs> says he is. I, I like that we, we could take like what I was, I was watching a lot of gun smoke, which these things have to like reboot every time and then tell like this really interesting story. It's like each episode, he just goes to another town where there's some fucking problem going on and they find, they find exactly what they're looking for, which is the scape cat to alleviate their, their fears, Max. Right. It was the cat all along. You piece of shit cat. You stole the money out of the register. And the cat's like, meow. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. We should make it. That's actually a solid idea. And I mean, just like it can be like a, an origin story for a villain cat, you know? Yeah. Well, we, time, so that's just, what we like, do. We do like a reverse unbreakable split reveal where we make the first series. Then we like fuck off for a long time, you know, like we wait 10 years just to do it right. Okay. Yeah. Then we make like the actual superhero thing. And at the end of that movie, who's sitting at the end of the diner? Fucking scape cat. You know what I mean? Like plotting. <laughs> And I think like people will, you know, it'll be met with uh, abject silence, ambivalence at best, but we'll know. Well, I've been watching The Sopranos and this is another take we could do, but like I forgot in the early seasons because my mom's rewatching it too, um, that Tony uh, makes Junior or like engineers it so that Junior, his uncle, is the boss in name only while he can like avoid prosecution and continue doing shit 
while actually running things. So maybe Scapecat just gets like put in charge of like the head of like a fucking mob family or something as the Scapecat <laughs> while the Sopranos and Polly Walnuts of the world are doing nefarious shit. Get sent I mean, to cat prison. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That could be a season long arc right there. You can't prosecute a cat. I mean, like, or can you? Like they we, we invented a whole fucking feline law just to like we gotta address this. We knew right. that this was a crack in our justice system for too long and, and we did nothing and now look what's happened. We have like a season long court case or whatever, and they're like, uh and then they just throw them in a kennel. <laughs> Dude, okay, so I'm watching, uh, I'm, I'm rewatching Broadchurch, which I watched the first season years ago. It's that David Tennant, yeah. Olivia Coleman BBC show. It's really, yeah, yeah, I just recently watched it. Did you? Okay, so yeah. loved the first season when I saw it years ago. Watching the second season, have some real problems with the second season, but the thing that I love about it in a weird way, not from a writing perspective, but from just like a, oh shit, is this true about British culture perspective, is, mm. uh, that you can just say shit. Like the whole season two is just a giant courtroom. <laughs> Hold on. It's a courtroom drama. Like it goes from being a police procedural to yes. basically a courtroom show in the second season, which mm -hmm. is very interesting. But like you could just as a as the defense attorney slander and say anything you want. You have no burden of proof for the right. allegations that you make. And unlike in America, where if you said something like that off topic, there's some like objection, relevance. You know, yeah. they don't do that. They just let them yeah, go the, on. The, the only stipulation, the only the only way you're allowed to do that is if you wear a shitty wig on top of your real hair with your real hair poking out. That is such a like a weird, fucked up, archaic thing about British culture that I do not understand. Whoa, see, we're coming at this from two that... different perspectives. Oh, eh? You love it? You, you I love it? find it fucking adorable, like in a way where I'm like, it almost almost makes up for the atrocities of the English empire because mm -hmm. at least they're trying to keep their traditions alive. You know, what are we doing over here? But, but like, what, what purpose does it serve? Listen, Why it, that tradition? Maybe not, maybe not everyone. Okay. But I do think the Supreme court justices, all of them should be wearing like those long flowy wigs for sure. Right. And do it better. Like back in the day, you put your own fucking hair up so you could you could put the wig on without any of your locks peeking out. And that's what I want. I want to I want like handmaid's yeah. tail shit, you know, but but like in Broadchurch, they don't do that. They just have their hair sticking out of like a gray, curly, distinguished <laughs> wig. And I don't know, like, here's the thing, like, you see this, do it, do it right. I guess this hair, like, obviously, I'm fine with my hair not looking great most of the time. But like, you know, I, what I was figured out is like, why do women just have better hair? Because their hair is always like, no, motherfucker. You know how long it takes for their hair to be like that? You know how much effort and, and fucking maintenance it takes to do that? And so I'm just thinking like being like a woman, you have to wake up and you're making your hair all fucking nice and shit like that, only to put a shitty wig on to defend some fucking pedophile who did it and you know right. he did it. So, so you're saying that, like, because they put all this time and energy into their hair, they're like, I'm not covering that shit up. Not no, I'm the saying way. they do. And that's what breaks my heart because they believe uh -huh. that's the one thing I don't like about it is just like it does seem like an inconvenience thing. Like, I'll speak from experience. Whenever I get my hair looking all right, any disruption to it, I put a hat on for two seconds. It's over. Like the balance yeah. is gone. The alchemy has been lost. And so that, that was one shitty thing about the Florida humidity back when I had hair. It was uh, just like if I would like get it looking decent, semi decent, immediately I walk into that wave of like wet heat. I'm annoyed yeah. by this because your hair was straighter than an Oklahoma highway, Max. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, what would happen with your hair? Because like my hair in the Florida humidity, it's like Afro puff, like immediately. 
but yeah, then you what, have what, straight what, hair. What, yeah, what do you think happens to straight hair though? If you like comb it or like at least style it in some way, it still gets. Fucked I think up. you'll it's get some flyaways, hurts. but it's gonna look cute because you got luscious Jarvis Cocker hair. You know what I mean? No, it didn't look cute at all. And all all I'm trying to say is, you know, like I was trying to like get you to agree with me on one thing for once in my fucking life, and you just nope. had to come at me like you had straight hair, you have the hair privilege. I, well, I didn't say that, but it's interesting. Well, that's the you first, you know, you little part that you saw. <laughs> oh, hair privilege. So I was taking my dog uh, for one of many walks. Um, actually, I should back up a little bit. My friend Madison came down from New York a couple weeks ago, and she met my dog, uh, Nini. And like the first thing that she said was, oh, my God, this dog has the cleanest butt I've ever seen, which <laughs> sounds weird, but he's got like this long, curly, luscious white hair and like there's just no poop on it ever, you know, which is kind of miraculous. And I was like thinking about this and it's like, what is it about dogs that they don't need toilet paper? Like why? why what, what, what evolutionary trait have they, <laughs> you know? We go through so much toilet paper as a species, and these dogs have had it on lock from the beginning. That's not fair. Yeah. I asked this question. I had I just had a Vietnam like memory. I asked this very same question when I was very little. I was like three years old. And that's when we got my first dog, Raina. And mm. I was just like, but like you gotta wipe this dog's butt. Like, it's like, <laughs> no, you don't have to. I'm like, what? Like that just blew my mind because, like you, you said, humans are cursed. Like we, we we were killing the environment, chopping down the Amazon just to keep up with our fucking toilet paper supply. Well, I have heard that like we aren't pooping the right way. Like the way you're supposed to poop is to squat like over a hole or on the ground or whatever, yeah. you know, but we've been seated for a long time now. So like maybe that's what's fucking us up. I don't know. I don't want to get too into like, you know, butthole anatomy here, but and maybe yet, that's the missing marched link. valiantly into it anyway despite yourself maybe that's the missing link you know i don't know it's just something i think about every time i walk that dog because he takes he takes his little poop yeah you know and then he looks up at me he's like i'm done are you proud of me that's I'm the like, kind of thing that if like looked at by opposite uh, like people with oppositional views like i look at that and i'm just like see evolution's perfect it goes where it <laughs> needs to go my mom's like are you telling me that's not intelligent design that's fucking god baby and i would be like right. yeah i think that's totally looking at the same thing and, and seeing two different things it's interesting to me yeah if kirk cameron listens to this podcast he's gonna have a new debate tactic <laughs> That would be effective. He's like, okay, the banana didn't work. I got another one for you kids. Like, and he brings out a dog. I would love it. And it would be on brand for his particular, you know, kind of insanity, which is. Well, everybody can relate to pooping, you know, like that story, everybody poops and it's true. Everybody does, you know? So it's like, I, I think he would win a lot of hearts and minds. With uh, that argument. I, I, I don't, I, I don't want to do anything that's going to give Kirk Cameron some kind of credibility or like in, in endearing moments to the to the general populace, Max. I'm I'm like very very morbidly curious to see Saving Christmas because I've seen so many like video breakdowns of like what a horrendous piece of shit that movie is, mm -hmm. um, and I just feel like I have to watch it. You know, I you have to. It. I it can be a, it can be like a Shallow Dives presents, and we watch because Christmas is coming up in six yeah. months. In six, so we'll get, we have plenty of time to do a recording and then figure out if we if we want to doll it up right. and do something. Cool this this is going to be a six month production of <laughs> like a 
40 minute conversation about saving Christmas. We're going to do like a, like day one title card. And it's just like, we got day, day 180. We both have fucking beards and shit. Like I already have one, but it's longer. We could do a thing where it's like 12 days of saving Christmas where we just watch it 12 times in a row. Oh God. Just see how our mental health is doing. I actually, listen, I don't think you've ever pitched a better slash worst idea in your life. And I am so on board with it. Like we we just become converted by the end. Like (laughs) us is like proud atheist agnostics. Listen, the movie was a piece of shit, but I think God exists, bro. Like we're going to start going to church. Some good points, you know, after my seventh rewatch. Yeah. <laughs> Fun fact about Kirk Cameron, little director trademark, banana in every film. In the third act, when that dog comes out and he says, what? what, what? I was like, God, he exists. Right. <laughs> what is like the atheist character is like, why doesn't that dog need toilet paper? I don't get it. And then Kirk Cameron comes in and he's like, maybe you should ask God that question. Does God show up? Is that like the director's cut? Like he's like, it yeah. took a lot, but we got God to show up. We had to do all of his scenes in one day. It was difficult, right. but we got it. We squeezed in the Almighty. <laughs> Who would you cast as God in this particular project? Is my question. No Morgan Freeman's allowed. <laughs> it's like everyone wants to go to Morgan Freeman immediately. Who is God? Who is God to me? I don't know. Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson might be God to me. <laughs> Right, because like if yeah, they, yeah, he's an infallible God, like or he's an, he's not an infallible God, you know, he's incredibly fallible. Which is the reason I like him. Right, you just you know just aging, profoundly overweight. Jack Nicholson comes in, stumbles in in like a wife beater with like hot dog stains on his shirt. He's got like coke smeared on his nose still, yeah. and he's like, "Oh, uh, uh, I can't do it, Jack." Nicholson. <laughs> I was just like, "You're even you're gonna try?" <laughs> what was that? That was like Johnny Depp. That was that was like the last decade of Depp's career. That sums up the entirety of the last decade of Johnny Depp. Good for him. You know, he's doing the work. Uh, I'm like Jack Nicholson. Well, I think this is his comeback role, you know. You, this this is it. <laughs> and Jack Nicholson as God. The capital. Uh, look, I, I have a confession to make. Uh, this was the one and only topic that I had to bring this week was why do dogs? <laughs> I was asking you to come prepared. Come with something intellectually stimulating that we could also have fun with, like a contextual re- re-examination of the Seuss universe. But you come to me with this topic, Max, and you expect me to what? To run with it, I think I, I mean tried. you did. You did I though. Tried. You know, sometimes I come to you with topics and you just like just fucking stare at me blankly and wait for me to just fucking you know hang my over with. Yeah. yeah, totally, totally. So I appreciate you riding along because I know like one thing I know about you is you do not like you know humor, scatological humor at all. I just you don't, don't like find burping. it very funny. Yeah, you don't like farting. You don't like poops. You don't like poop jokes. <laughs> I like when you say it like that. That's pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, no, generally I don't find it. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. Anyway, hey, did you, did you know that snakes had hip bones? Here's my topic to your fucking pooping topic. Snakes had hip bones evolutionarily. And that's why they kind of like fucking do this thing. You know what I'm saying? Like they can, they got muscles now, but they had hip bones. And that's the thing that scares me because I always say about snakes that they're like, where are their arms and legs? That's the thing that freaks me out about them. Because imagine if snakes, they'd be like big lizards, but like way more dangerous. 
I feel like they're they're pretty dangerous already, though. You know, like I feel like they're making it work. Or do you think they would be more j- dangerous if they were like upright or they had four legs? Imagine an anaconda that like could get you like an alligator, like and cover that ground. You know what I'm yeah, saying? That would be that would be horrendous. That would be terrible. I was actually marching on a trail recently, and I saw three fucking alligators oh. on this goddamn trail, and it was like you know, it it kind of like taps into this weird primal fear, you know. As I get older, I have more of that fear. I remember there was a time when, like, I went out to uh, the, not the Air Force Base, Kennedy Space Center, and, like, right next to it, there are, there's this wildlife preserve where you can see, like, a hundred fucking alligators and, like, bald eagles and, like, all this wildlife and shit. And we found, I was with Ben at the time, we found this albino alligator by the side of the road. And like me being 19, thinking I was invincible, just started walking up to it. And Ben and like his friend Will were just screaming at me like, Max, no. And now like if I get within 15 feet of one, I'm like, ah. Yeah, that's why I mean, well, they're dinosaurs. Like, I mean, they're not, but they kind of look like what we imagine. And then we know they're millions and millions of years old. So I look at them and I'm like, that thing knows how to do one thing through the eons, which is eat. Us. Well, I, I, I think I think it really is like my <laughs> eat us. Yeah, I think it is like my my growing sense of my own mortality as we get older. You know, we're 31 now. Yeah. So is that, is that what you think, scary. Is that you think you're going to go out? You, like you're thinking one of these days, these fucking gators. I'm going to wake up. There's going to be a gator in my house. It's going to have a gun to my head. Well, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. What would yeah. be cooler uh, on an obituary i'm not talking about like least painful just cooler on an obituary like christian torres died of heart failure at age uh, 89 or christian torres uh, died of being eaten by a fucking dinosaur that still walks the earth at the age of 32 yeah, i mean that's kind of cool i'm not saying it's not cool i'm just saying died of heart failure in your sleep at 89 means presumably you went a lot of places experienced a lot of life and probably died in your sleep where uh, the other one is excruciatingly. Be- and by the way, can you imagine what it just feels like in the moment to not only be in pain, but to the emotional embarrassment of being like, I'm being eaten by it. This is, I'm going to die because I'm being eaten by an alligator. Although I think I the truth like it's is, not, I don't think it's that embarrassing, but go ahead. I'm sorry. I, well, I think the truth of it is, sadly, it's way worse because alligators don't fuck around. They, they'll just drown you first. Alligators will grab you, bring you down, make sure you can't breathe. And right and fucking eat you well if you're in the water with them if you're on land and they can run super fucking fast apparently you know and this exact thing we were taught as children is oh, a bullshit. total myth yeah. it's bullshit. that's a reagan era fun. like if you run it zigzags <laughs> right reagan had his thoughts on alligators he <laughs> mandated it in every school it was not based on any available research i love it no, you know, in the 50s, they were doing like the fucking, hey, Sputnik, like nukes, drop under your thing, duck and cover. Like, you know what we were doing in Reagan's America? Uh, if you see an alligator, uh, make sure you run in a zigzag. It'll confuse the hell out of it. It's amazing that we didn't know he had Alzheimer's earlier, because clearly like there there was a lot of those, man. Star Wars and alligators. And come on. Maybe people did know, you know, and they're like, I can identify with that. They just thought yeah. he was a visionary. Like, way yeah. of the future. The way of the future. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's funny that we keep bringing up Reagan's America and we weren't even a part of that at all. But like we saw the after effects of that for like 
another decade, I feel I like. I think, yeah, we were the first generation that can remember on a ground level. Like, that's what's interesting. You ever think about how, like, we process information, which is, like, after the fact, we can contextualize it. We mm -hmm. remember, the, I remember when the crime bill was signed. Uh, I remember the Lewinsky scandal and all that stuff. And at the time, I didn't understand the particulars or what, they, what it meant contextually in the scream of history, but then afterwards we can. So we definitely are the first generation, I think, that felt the Reagan years. It's interesting, Warren, uh, we were born in the uh, the HW, but like on the back end of the HW administration, you know? Right. Fucking one-term phony. <laughs> That's what makes him a phony. If you're a one-term president, you're a phony. That's facts. Have you ever seen that debate video, by the way, of um, where it's like George W. Bush or George H. W. Bush versus like Clinton and then Ross Perot is there too. It's the town hall or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've seen that one? Yeah. Where like George H. W. is like, uh, well, you know, we would uh, raise taxes. That's or we would lower taxes. Number one, that's going to put money in your pocket or whatever. And like he's just like very like fact based bullet points. And then Clinton comes in, and like you see immediately why that guy won that election. Yeah, he's just like, what's your name? Okay, all right. Well, Carolyn, what we're gonna do is we're we're looking out for you and yours. You know, I was talking to a lot of folks here, and it's like, holy shit, like. I get, I get why people fall for politics sometimes. I feel like that era is done, but I get it, you know? Yeah, someone said, like, politics is an art. And I was like, fuck it, it kind of is, isn't it? Like, and, but it's like, it's weird that we don't think of other artists in the same vein, because, like, uh, like, I don't think Picasso was a morally bankrupt piece of shit. I mean, he might have been. I want to be very clear. Like some of some of his art would suggest something like that. But uh, what I'm saying is, we don't think songwriters, we don't think movie directors are, are on the same level of bad people as the people who willfully go into politics. Because the art of politics is to be deceptive a lot of the time, or to say things right. that you just don't believe. And so yeah. there is a fucking real artistic merit to that if you can do that. Best actors in the world are our politicians. It's almost like being a magician up to a point. And I know this sounds weird, but like the thing with going to see a magician is, you know, magic isn't real at the outset and you know, going in that they are going to trick you. And like the role of the magician is to get you to forget that. Yeah. And I feel like politicians, the same thing. Like, you know, that politicians can't be trusted. They all lie or whatever, but it's like about getting you to forget that they lie for just a moment, you know? And Clinton really was like fucking great at that up until the Lewinsky thing kind of fucked that up. But, you know, I told you I was listening to a podcast on that called Slow Burns. Really, really great. I recommend it to everybody. And my takeaway was that Link, uh, not Lincoln, Clinton, kind of the biggest piece of shit he's ever existed. Has I'm not talking about his presidency, like a very successful presidency, I'm finding out. <laughs> uh, but as a person, just like he's a he was a bad dude. And I, I know that's like. We, we that that ship may have sailed long ago for many people i think the problem is we don't want to separate the presidency from the person and we probably should for most of these people um unless they're indistinguishable like our 45th president was well fucking piece of shit only one term who does donald trump think he's he a phony <laughs> so my parents came to uh la for father's day we're recording this mm -hmm two days after father's day uh and it was cool because uh my dad's dad is here in la pop is out in crenshaw right now so everyone got to spend time with their dads that was pretty cool uh and it was and, and as you know my parents had never met dolores it's a weird thing i was gonna ask you about this off mic and i forgot to but like this has been like 
uh, you know, not to bring up things, but this has been like kind of a thing is that your mom and your dad have never met your fucking wife. Somebody yeah. you've been with for how many years? Eight, nine? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 2013. Yeah. So eight years. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, and almost married for two. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's kind of a weird thing. And just like, I don't have to get too much into it, but I didn't always have the best relationship with my family. Didn't talk to him for a lot of years, but they haven't met, met her now because there's been a pandemic. Like I got married, but we were going to, I was going to go, we were going to go. Then the world shut down, didn't happen. And no one's traveled. So it's like, yeah. I saw, saw my parents the first time in almost two years. And it was really great to see them. And, and you know, my, all my, my mom has this thing where it's like, she lives in Florida where there's fucking beaches in any direction. But like, she's just like, I need to see the beaches. I need to, I need to see the sunsets. <laughs> I'm like, All right, hey, mom. you know what? Your mom is right. Okay. Oh, Cause God. California beaches are different. Well, I told her to go to the pier. I, well, I told her just to drive on the PCH. I'm like, just go to Malibu, just drive to Malibu, like see what you're going to see, come back. Uh, but then she went to the Santa Monica pier, which she was like, that thing's going to collapse. Like there was way too many people. She was really scared of it. But, um, it was like, I wanted to do more. Like I wanted to like go for a walk in the mountains. What we ended up doing last night is I took them up to the observatory. Like I took you up to the observatory, uh, but we mm-hmm. did it at sunset. So my mom got another one of her fucking sunsets that she loves so much. Uh, and uh, it was, it was, it was a really good time, but I want to tell one thing, which is like on Saturday, I worked all day. And then right afterwards, I went to this restaurant called Spartina, which I had been to. I told you the first time we went out to eat at a restaurant for the first time since the pandemic happened was like two months ago. Uh, and we went all out because our friend Gia got a promotion and it was our first time out. And like, we're going to spend all the money at this restaurant. And it was a good Italian place. So I kept thinking about it and I recommended it to my parents and said, Hey, let's go. And we got a sidewalk seat, which is decidedly not as pretty as the inside of the stuff. But then like everything that could go wrong went wrong. And it was very interesting, like how, uh, what a quick succession this was. We had a waiter who we were ordering drinks. And then when my mom asked about Mescal, he started, and I'm not even kidding, for 15 minutes, like 15 minutes just talking about different Mescal. And me, I'm polite. So I'm just like, I, um, like looking around, like not saying anything. My dad's looking at me like, this is somehow my fault. And I'm like, what am I? You know, so uh, eventually, like, gets the drink order. We even order our food. 35 minutes go by. Uh, nothing. Then we're watching. It's like, you know, I'm a big basketball guy. So is my dad. And so we're watching, like, the end of a basketball game on our phone. The waiter comes back and puts his head right between me and my dad. And, and is just like, what's the score? <laughs> like, and he's he's been drinking. He's fucked up. Like, I could smell the alcohol on his breath. And I was like, oh, God, this is bad. So then I'm like, uh, okay, 45 minutes. We don't even have our drinks. We don't have anything. And so I go say something to somebody and then like 15 more minutes, nothing. And I go say something to somebody. I'm like, I think we're going to go. Then someone comes up with the wrong drinks. And then someone comes up with the wrong appetizers. And then like, right. I, I'm like losing were, my mind. <laughs> you were singing this place's praises, right? Like you wanted to show your parents a good time and show them the LA that you know. Right. Yeah. And instead, I didn't even get a fucking table on the inside. I'm on the corner where like every asshole who's drag racing on fucking uh, the, the Santa Monica is just like ruining the ambiance anyway. Right. And so that happens. And now it's like we've been here for an hour and I just go over there. And this is the difference between me and my dad. My dad, if he's not happy, will let somebody know he's unhappy and be kind of a, a jerk about it. Like, even though he's inconvenient. So his way to deal with it is to be like, what the fuck? Uh, but that's not my thing. Like I usually try to keep cool and like figure out what I can do. So I just like stayed very, very polite about it. I'm just like, look, 
like my my parents it's the first time i've seen my parents in two years and i sang their praises and like i this is we haven't got our drinks like you brought the wrong stuff like can we can we get a seat inside like otherwise i think i'm just gonna take off because i want to show them a better time than what we're having so then like the manager comes out this lady uh i'm not gonna say her name but i have a hookup now let's just say that because she took care of us she's like come on in everything's absolutely free order everything off the menu that you want we're going to take care of you they gave us the prime seat they gave us two bottles of wine they gave us like fucking five six entrees off the thing and it turned this really bad situation that i mean was like a car crash like it but it was the rake gag at some point mm-hmm. like at some point after the fourth time someone came up to us being like hey your drinks are right you're about to come out all right we'll be right. and then 10 minutes would go by without something it just started to get really funny like you could tell that yeah. it was a tragedy to accommodate and then <laughs> to, to top it off right at the end they like bring us inside give us the house seat uh and literally like you know what they say it's like hey free food tastes better because you don't have to pay for it like 100 true and oh, yeah. I think we spent Very like true. $350 in food and didn't pay for any of it. So it was kind of amazing at the end. Yeah. I mean, well, restaurant managers are very afraid of bad Yelp reviews, you know, because that they? brings the score down. Yeah. That, that, that's like a known thing. Like even celebrity chefs, like Yelp reviewers will go there just to give it a bad review, just to take them down a notch, go to three <laughs> Michelin starred like fucking restaurants and stuff. So it's like a common problem. Yeah. Um, but that's dope that she took care of you. I'm living vicariously through you. I just finished a fucking three-day fast. I'm on like the <laughs> keto diet now, so no bread or pasta or any fucking carbs for me. Yeah. Uh, well, that's cool. Dolores is doing keto right now too. So you have a, a sister in arms is what I would hey, say. Hey, keto buddies. You can let her know that I'm keto and or I'll let her know. So uh, here's the thing. So you've seen your mom a couple times, you know. I've seen her at, at least twice. Yeah, <laughs> like one, two, three times, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but I haven't seen my I haven't seen my parents in a really long time. It's just very interesting because it's like there was one point in the weekend where me and my dad butted heads like we always do. But for the most part, it was a really like cool weekend, and like they got to meet my wife and they came and they ate in our yard and they like met met my dogs and you know it was like it was a cool thing. Um, mm-hmm. Like I told my parents about my OCD, like I hadn't told them until this weekend. And that was like a month ago. I got diagnosed, as you know, and as will be revealed in our previous episode. How'd that go? It was really uh, it was interesting. I mean, I don't think my mom knows anything about it. So she was like, ah, like she did one of those (laughs) things that she does. (laughs) I tried my best to explain it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but, But what I thought was very interesting and he'll never admit this and he doesn't listen to the podcast. So it's fine. Uh, but Jeff was like responded to in a very interesting way because I was like, what they're finding out is that anxiety, a lot of anxiety, the source of that is like a, some sort of obsessive compulsive behavior. Uh, mm. It's lack of control or something like that. Uh, lack of, of being, uh, you know, secure in your environment and shit like that. So I was talking about anxiety. It's just like, um, it's like, oh, I really hope you get better because when you get to be my age, there are different kinds of anxiety. And like, you know, Jeff's the Gary Cooper, like, we don't mm. talk about anything like you got feelings. You fucking swallow that shit. Yeah. He said uh, 12 words to me the entire time I knew him. Yeah. I was was gonna say, <laughs> for a decade, you, which yeah. is pretty good. You got like 1.2 words. A, a, a fucking. Yeah. Well, I, I would go out of my way to be like, oh, hey, Jeff, how you doing? Yeah. No one else yeah. did. He like, like, uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it just like kind of met me with that same energy. It was just weird. It, it just keeps going back to the idea that like, oh, the death of the omnipotent parent, like, oh, these are just people now. And like, they sort of view me as a, not an equal because they're the parent, but they like realize I'm not a kid. Like, you know what I'm saying? Right. 
Like there's just a mm-hmm. real like, oh, you're both adults and you exist on this plane. So it's just very interesting to uh, to continue to learn things about my parents, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's always the thing where it's like, you know, I keep it, it's sort of a cycle of that where it's like you kind of like meet your parents where they're at and they meet you where you're at. And it's mm-hmm. like this sudden feeling where it's like, oh, we're just people who know each other very well, you know? And then, like, eventually you fall into old patterns or whatever. But every now and then you have that, like, moment of connection where it's like, that's like a human being I'm talking to, not my parent, not like the godparent, the omnipotent uh, parent, like you said. And the impending, you know, the impending demise of parents, because my dad's 71, my mom's uh, 60, not to put their ages out there, but, you know, like that, that's coming sooner rather than later, you know? So it's something you have to reckon with. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It was interesting. It's like I told my dad I'd plan his vacation and he was like, all right. Like before he'd be like, I'm not fucking letting you do. Fuck you. (laughs) But he was like, all right, that's fine. And so there's just a lot of these things where you're just like, I'm getting to know them better in a weird way. Mm -hmm. You know, you get to know them with like more uh, like rougher edges. They were talking about times that like their marriage was rough. And I'm like, what the fuck? Because like as a kid, you don't perceive these things. I think a lot of the time, and I don't want to speak for you, but it's like your parents were together. And I think you said retrospectively, you saw all these like signs, but you didn't see the larger friction, right? No, I mean, by the time they told me they were getting a divorce, I knew for two years that that was coming at least. Oh, wow. So, but I was a teenager still. So like, I wasn't a child, you know, but like, yeah, like looking back, I definitely saw like hints and threads of that sprinkled throughout that I probably ignored or didn't understand or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah. How, how did they do with the Dolo, by the way? How did yeah, that go? Uh, okay. So that's, that's a whole thing. All right. So let me tell you my worst fears confirmed, which mm-hmm. is, uh, like I never brought a girl home really in high school. I mean, I brought uh, like Layla and, and Gabby, I guess those are the two. But uh, the reason I did that was because like my dad would try to make fun of me a lot. Like there are a lot of these stories that like about me that I used to be really like uh, ashamed of for no reason. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, oh, this is how I know that like Dolores is like one, my like, my freaking partner. But like I've told her all these stories. Like I've told her all these like warts and all stories that I'm like, Jeff will weaponize this against me as if I'm the villain of this story. But like the plot twist is that he's the villain of these stories. And so it's like, he always likes to tell the story about like when I went fishing when I was like young uh that that we we caught a fish and i didn't want to take the fish off the hook because it got caught in his eye and i and i and i and i didn't want to hurt it and i was freaking out and jeff just let it sit there he's like it's gonna die if you don't do it and this is like a tree of life situation he's like brad pitt in this fuck he's just like god toughen you up boy for the world meanwhile like I'm, i'm believing in like not hurting stuff and shit and so he tells that story all the time as if i'm the asshole like as if, as if that me being a sensitive kid who didn't want to hurt a living thing makes right. me the, the piece of shit. I think uh, that says more about Jeff than it says about you. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. That's what I'm saying. Like as I get older, I'm like, there's nothing to be embarrassed about here. Like this is a, this is a thing. So um, you know, like those stories came up, and I was just like, yep, here he goes. He's gonna do this thing that he doesn't realize makes him look much worse, but. Overall, it was cool. Like she had to learn how to make a Moscow mule, which apparently is my parents' drink of choice these days. And which is great because it's vodka based, you know, which is awesome because I have a lot of that. Uh, mm-hmm. And she did it really good. I mean, it was fun. It was fun. I mean, the, the problem is they came here for four days and they were 15 miles away and they were splitting their time between hanging out with us and pop. And, you know, 15 miles in LA, if the traffic's bad, is like, 
a problem. 15 hours. Yeah. <laughs> One mile per hour. Uh, yes. I mean, overall, it was cool. I don't know. I don't know. You know, like. Uh, yeah. Well, at least they didn't hate each other. That's a start. <laughs> I was prepared for it. I was <laughs> like right before they came, I got really fucking profoundly depressed. Like five, like in real time, my mom's like per GPS five minutes. <laughs> I'm just like, oh <laughs> shit. Like, I'm like, got a brown like, were bag. You <laughs> were you picturing like the dinner episode of Fleabag or something where everybody just starts like hitting each other and there's like blood and. Well, the, let me tell you the time where me and my dad, no, because I thought like everyone will be on their best behavior. You know, the time that me and my dad got into a spat, Dolores wasn't with us. She wasn't feeling well. And so like, I, I that's what brought out the old frictions was just like left to our own devices we will immediately revert back right. into our roles of contrarian D dolores is like this stabilizing neutral compound so. that like keeps the fucking acid from boiling out of the pot i'm telling you yeah she's the fucking the coolants and those nuclear rods you know what i'm saying <laughs> like, like without her so to be clear to recap dolores is a coolant in a nuclear rod and that is all <laughs> she is into that Where's my burrito?